Well, 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 well. Hello. Welcome to episode 56 of Bruiseless Travel, the podcast exploring the best uncharted craft beer scenes across the U.S. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm happy to welcome back my co-host for this month featuring Missoula, MC. How's it going, MC? Hey, Brian. I'm good. I'm great. I'm excited to be back. Been a long week already, even though it's Wednesday. So three days ready. Yep. <laughs> ready to have a couple of beers. Yeah. How about you? How's it going? Going well. Also been yeah. a long week. Um, well, I should say before we get into things, happy belated Father's Day as well. Well, thank you. How was you your Father's Day? How's your week much. been? It was nice. It was nice. Weather kind of cooled down a little bit. It was still warm, but it was comfortable. My parents uh, had a family over for dinner on Father's Day. We ate smoked meats and German potato salad. And my grandparents were there and my aunts and uncles were there. It was a great time to hang out. My daughter got to run around in their yard and have a good time. And yeah, we drank beer and hang out in the side yard. And it was great. It was wonderful. Couldn't, Mm. Couldn't ask for more. Very good. Very good. Uh, how, how, how has your week been other than the, the, the length of it, the perceived length length of of it? it? I keep getting screwed up. I, last night I thought I missed the podcast. Uh, I was just convinced that it was not Tuesday. Um, so that's just about how my whole week has been going. I'm here. I showed up on time even. So, you know, going okay. Yeah. It's just, we're just kind of settling into like the dog days of summer routine around here. You know, we've been, you know, not going outside for a walk with the dog until like 8.45 PM. You know, last night was the summer solstice. So we went on a long summer solstice walk. So yeah, just kind of slowing down, settling into summer. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I love a nice summer walk. I would feel remiss. We talk. This is basically a, a, a Pittsburgh podcast side side. This 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 podcast miners in Pittsburgh. Um, so I would feel remiss if I didn't mention the fact that today is the first day of HomebrewCon here in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Uh, so I've already seen the hustle and bustle around the convention center. I helped out with some awesome experiences that we're providing our, our sister company city brew tours is providing for the homebrew fanatics and beer fans in the steel city this week. And I'm excited to see some of my coworkers who are also in town. Can't wait for the rest of the week. Love, uh, love a convention, love seeing my coworkers. So, yeah, I don't know much about homebrew con, like what, uh, what all goes on there? What do people like, that educational is it marketing what 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 are people up to so homebrew con is the hobby equivalent of the craft brewers conference it's put okay. on by the homebrewers association of america which is the homebrewer arm of the brewers association so very similar to the craft brewers conference not as in obviously not as industry focused because it's not industry mm-hmm. people there but there's educational seminars there's an expo for people to walk through and um there's just a bunch of activities going on on around town focused on beer education and also just about the beer community and people getting together and celebrating this common interest in this amazing hobby that is homebrewing do you get to drink any homebrew Oh, certainly. Yeah, there's so a big 
there's a big club night on Friday. Uh, our good friend, our, our good friend, we'll call him friend of the pod, Clayton, uh, City Brew Tours beer guide is going to be pouring mm-hmm. at the club night on Friday. So they showcase a bunch of local home brewers. And um, on top of that, there's events at all the local breweries here. 11th Hours hosting one, Hop Farms hosting one, Grist House right down the street from me is hosting one. And it's just lots of great people, good beer and, and good times. It's um, I'm excited. And they also say that HomebrewCon is the testing ground for CBC. So hopefully couple years from now maybe we'll see a cbc come to the steel city oh very cool that's awesome that sounds like a lot of fun i'm uh, a little jealous that sounds great yeah it's gonna be a good time and uh i'll tell you what else i'm very excited for tonight's episode uh we're featuring another great brewery from the wonderful city of missoula montana uh today it's imagination brewing company and we'll be featuring there, I, I, I hope I should ask. I should ask Robert the name of this beer, how to pronounce it properly. But Lupe Juice Seven, we'll get clarification on that. That's what I was going with in my head. Yeah, like juicy um, IPA. I was thinking Lupulin, Lupe Juice. Lupe Again, juice. we'll get clarification on that. Uh, this beer right here, as well as their Synchronic Beats Double IPA, two batches of beer that were actually brewed uh, to especially be featured in this box showcasing the city of Missoula. And Brian, you already mentioned him, but we're going to be joined by one of the founders of the brewery, Robert Rivers. Yep, that's right. And uh, given that we've got two great beers and a lot to discuss with our guests, let's get right to it tonight. Please join us in welcoming our guest, the co-founder of Imagination, Robert Rivers. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the time and uh, the interest in the beers and the brewery. And I'm really looking forward to talking with both of you for the next hour. Well, uh, thank you so much, Robert, for joining us. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about, but let's get started with the aforementioned Lupia Juice 7. Uh-huh. Did I get that right? Yeah. Can you tell us more about the beer? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it, we, we pronounce it Lupa Juice. It, it's the, uh, as you say, it, it, it is a juicy kind of New England style IPA, and it's the juice of the humulus lupulus taxonomy for hops. So it, it, it doesn't really matter how you pronounce it, but we get a lot of people that come into the brewery and ask for lupus juice. And I find that a bit odd that they would A, ask for that, and B, think that we would name a beer after chronic disease. So uh, it is pronounced loop juice. Uh, it was the state's first uh, New England-style IPA. We started brewing about five years ago after uh, some friends of ours brought us a can of Heady Topper, which I think you could probably say is maybe a, a, one of the iconic beers of the style and really that created the style. So yeah, that, that was a game changer for us. The first time we had uh, Heady Topper. And so yeah, Lupe Juice 7 is is a, the state's first New England style IPA. Nice. And it is a cheers very... Cheers that. Yes, cheers. Uh, description says with over six pounds per barrel of Strata Simcoe T90 slash Cryo and Mosaic T90 slash Cryo, uh, that's a lot of hops, and I think we should explain for the folks at home what the difference is between those different types of hops in terms of the the T ninety and the cryo. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, T ninety hops, as as the name says, they're ninety percent uh, lupulin, uh, whereas cryo hops 
are 100% lupulin. And so there's no vegetal matter in the cryo hops, which really gives a nice pop to the beers. It's really clean. You don't get any vegetal matter in the beer. Um, and it really allows the best of the hops to come through, uh, especially when you use it in the whirlpool and dry hopping. You really pull the best out of those hops. Mm. I'm definitely getting some of that mosaic. It's not so acidic like that mosaic. I feel like that little bit of fruitiness that you mm. get in that mosaic is really balancing the citra really well. I like it a lot. I can't wait for it to warm up a little bit. Mine's a little cold. I think those hops are really going to come out. Good thing it's summer. Your glass will warm up a little bit faster. <laughs> It'll take no time here in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Imagination was founded with a special mission. Um, can you tell us about that? And can you tell us about the inception of the brewery? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my wife and I, our background is in international humanitarian work. My wife is a trauma psychologist, and so I'm a peacebuilding specialist. And so really, after working in conflict zones for many years, we wanted to take a little break from the front lines to decompress, uh, heal a little bit. Uh, and so we started to really think about different things that we want to do with our lives. And both of us, before even meeting, had a desire to set up at some point a retreat or educational center. But we knew that doing so would be really difficult to fund it financially. So we started to think about businesses that we could combine with an educational center uh, to be able to fund a lot of the projects that we were doing. And so uh, my wife is from Brazil. Um, and if you've ever been to Brazil, uh, the Brazilians are wonderful at many things, but they, I think, are, are the best human connectors in the world. Uh, to, mm. watch them, to watch the way they connect is, is an art form. And, and I think we were in Brazil watching everybody connect over beer. This was a decade ago. And we thought, why not do a brewery? Breweries already indirectly connect people. But we could take a model that was already doing it indirectly and give it a specific intention. And so we combined uh, Imagination the Brewery with the Center for Community Transformation, which is a room in the brewery uh, where we would host events. And, and by combining these, we, we created what we think to be the country's first combination of a brewery and a Center for Community Transformation. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, it has been. And uh, just some stats in that regard. Uh, I believe you've hosted over 4,000 events for local community organizations through your years being open there which is uh, a very impressive number. Yeah, you know, before COVID, there were times where in a week we'd host, you know, up to 25 different events during the week. And so, you know, you'd have a dialogue happening in the tap room, you know, with panelists speaking about issues that are affecting everybody, uh, another event going on in the center, and then out in the patio, there could be one or two other things happening. And so it really became a nexus for social change in a way, and, and really a a saucepan for the locals to uh, add their special sauce to of, of social change, environmental change, and really just connecting over, like I said, a lot of the issues that are affecting all of us right now. Yeah, totally. And Brian mentioned those community events. If you guys look on the side of your cans, they have a, a bunch of stats about donations, about their community events, a little glimpse into what they're doing for the community um, there at Imagination. So that's a really a uh, really cool thing to have on your cans, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, the, the beer is important. That's something that we did find that without good beer, you can't make the educational center work. And so, you know, we, we put a lot of energy and resources into the beer to try and create the best beer we possibly can. But I think on the cans, we also try to say that this is more than just beer. 
I think yeah, the cans so. are are very a very good representation of that balance between the community center and and what you do for uh, your local community, as well as being a representation of a, a fun beer, like a fun, well-made beer. And you don't don't just do good IPAs. I had an excellent ESB when I was there. So you do the classics uh, very well, uh, additionally, too. Yeah, you know, I think it's, I, I feel like um, we've been lucky to be able to introduce a lot of the contemporary styles to the state. But there's only so many pastry sours you can sit and drink back to back. And sometimes you want a beer that just tastes like beer. Uh, and so I think we, yeah, we do try to have a broad range to meet the, the different demands of, of patrons. And for those who just want a beer, they can get a beer. And if they want to kind of push the limits, then they can push the limits as well. That's great. After my wonderful visit to the brewery where we got a chance to talk and, and walk through the space, I was waiting outside for my Uber and I noticed, uh, took notice of the outside, the exterior of the building. And there's uh, a number of figures painting, painted mm-hmm. on the outside of the building. Um, who are some of those people that are painted on the outside of the building and what do they mean to the brand of imagination? Sure, sure. Uh, I think on the outside, I, I'm not sure how many we have exactly. I'd have to go out and actually count, but I think it's close to 25 different change makers uh, from the world painted on the building outside. And so when you walk in, you, you know, you walk in between Frida Kahlo and Dr. King, uh, you know, there's Cesar Chavez out there. Gandhi, uh, Nelson Mandela, Harvey Milk, Rosa Parks. I think, and I think in some ways, what our hope is that when people see that and they walk in, it sets the tone for their visit. Uh, In some ways, I feel like what we've tried to do with the brewery is really just continue the legacy of many of these change makers and set up a space where the local community can hopefully try to pick up that mantle, if you will, um, and do what they can, whether it's just in Missoula or beyond, to try and, and uh, I guess, push the needle in a bit more positive direction in a way that's going to affect all of us in a constructive way. Awesome. You know, Robert, we've heard a lot about your your background not related to beer. I'd love to hear, you know, what's the beer that got you into craft beer? Uh, well, you know, once, once we decided that we wanted to do a brewery, uh, you know, I think it's, it's slightly different from the way most people, I guess, would set up a brewery because they think about beer first. And for us, it was social change in the Center for Community Transformation. So it was a bit of a cart before the horse. So once we made that decision, uh, we, we decided that uh, we obviously needed to learn how to make beer. Um, and uh, lucky for us, I think a lot of our international contracts would take us through Europe on the way to the Middle East or Africa or South Asia. And so in, in, in some ways, for, for really a span of three or four years while, while doing these visits, we got to taste a lot of the most famous beers in the world at the source. Uh, and I think in some ways that, that beer education of learning what styles in some ways should be at their very best, I, I was, was really an inspiration. It helped us develop a palette so that we could understand, you know, what we were, what we were striving for. And I guess if I could say a beer, honestly, you know, one of my favorite beers in the world is if you go to Cork city in, in Southern Ireland, uh, they have the, the Southern Irish version of Guinness, which is called Beamish. And, you know, if you go in there in the winter and it's, it's pissing rain outside and it's dark and you go into a pub and you see an Irish session playing in the corner and there's a fire in the fireplace and you sit down and have a Beamish, there are fewer beer experiences uh, that I've found that, 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 that can rival that. And so it's a fairly mass produced beer, but man, they do a good job with it. And the experience makes it everything. You really surprised Absolutely. me there when you said you were in Ireland when I asked about mm. your, you know, the best craft beer. Where is he going with this? 
Um, but yeah. there, I totally agree. The beer is only part of, you know, the whole drinking experience. So um, yeah. that's really cool. And you're uh, really lucky to have gotten to try so many beautifully created beers from the source. Like you said, that's a great way to learn. Yeah. And, you know, I think for us, the best part too, is in many of these countries, you know, we, we visit friends who are also people that are involved in the humanitarian world. And so what I like to tell people oftentimes is, you know, they'll sit down and like, I want to talk to you about this beer. And I'll look at somebody and say, I want to talk to you about something more important. <laughs> yeah. And I say, I say, you know what, I'll talk to you about beer as, as much as you want. I'm so happy you're passionate about it. But just as long as we can make the leap to something that, 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 that's going to get us a little bit more into our humanity. And I think that's how I've always looked at beer is it's a precursor. Like it's, it's not the destination. It's really it's something to, to lubricate the conversation and start the connection. Um, you know, and I found that in the Middle East, even with like hookah or, you know, shisha, as, as they call it in the Middle East, where it's something that people are sharing, but they're not sitting there talking about the shisha that they're smoking together. They're talking about life and their families and how conflict is affecting them. But they're sharing something physical that I think really helps like bind people together. And I've just seen in so many instances where it really can help deepen the conversation, I think, open up a little bit more vulnerability uh, and create magic. And, you know, so I think craft beer absolutely can be magic, but it's what we do with it. You know, and I think even the best beer in the world, in the end of the day, it, it, it is still a beer. But if we can do something positive with that then everything, it, the beer and everything around it can be, can become magical. Wow. Amazing. I just got chills. That's, <laughs> I love all of that. If you, oh, it's like, if you look back at history too, the stories that are fun to hear about the history of the beer or the things that happen around the beer, the things that the, yeah. the beer was a conduit for or a catalyst for beer has always been kind of central to community gatherings in in the historical sense and i mean even just in our very country here the the american revolution was founded in taverns and pubs over pints and they they weren't talking about the beer it's it was the conduit to the discussion yeah exactly it's i mean people know the stories of the founding fathers sitting in the green dragon and concocting a plan for revolution but nobody knows what beer they were drinking right but you know that the human beings were there and they were connecting over it. Uh, and, I, and, and I totally agree with you. And I think the stories, that, the best stories that will be written about beer won't actually be about the beer. It'll be about what we do with it. Yep. Mm. So speaking of beer, I think it's a good time to get into our second beer here. You're what fast, could you tell man. us about? <laughs> yeah, I, re- I realize that now. Like uh, <laughs> Looking at the script that, that I the show that I read out here. Oh, no, no. I, I, this I mean, is way too early. Putting down a pint. Beer. <laughs> Oh, mine is not gone, but no judgments if anybody is are. We're, we're, uh, yeah, we'll just move into the second one here. We'll, 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 uh, let's promote a safe consumption of uh, double fisting these beers. And yes. uh, let's move into our double IPA here, Synchronic Beats. This actually yeah. has some fruit in it, right? Uh, yeah, I think th- this was fruited with passion fruit, and it's a beer that we did in collaboration with the World Affairs Council, which is an organization in Montana that brings kids from rural 
uh, and bigger cities in Montana, if, if, if you could call any of them bigger. Um, but uh, it brings kids together basically to have competitions about their knowledge about the world. And they do a, an incredible job of, of, of educating youth in the state about global affairs and about what's happening in the world around them. And so we brew this beer for them, but also specifically uh, we used it, we, we brewed it as a fundraiser for uh, relief for Ukraine. Um, and so as part of this beer, we raised $12,000 in the night at the brewery towards the beginning of the war to send at, to an organization that was providing food and supplies for refugees as they cross borders, in, in, especially into Poland. Wow. I could, there has never been a moment on the podcast that I've wanted to say cheers to something more than that. So cheers. Um, That's cheers. really amazing. One, one night, $12,000 in one night. And it was pretty, it was, it was really unbelievable. Uh, you know, we had, we had members from both the Russian community and the Ukrainian community who are here in Missoula get up and talk about how the war was affecting them. And it was beautiful to see how balanced it was and, and to see human beings, you know, behind conflict and behind everything that you read in the news, but to see human beings who were affected by the war, both the Ukrainians who had families who, uh, you know, who were uh, afflicted because of the conflict, but also to see the Russians get up and to say, this is a shame. You know, and, and I said, and what's what's hard for this is because people think that I'm Russian, they think that I'm for this. Uh, but a large amount of people in Russia are not for this invasion. And so it was really wonderful to see uh, human beings get up there and tell their human story. And then at the end of it, embrace each other. Uh, you know, very hopeful to see that on mass scales, you can look at destruction and devastation and death. But when you get down to the human, like the human connection that's in it, for the Ukrainians and the Russians to look at each other and say, we're not that different and none of us want what's what's happening here. And in some ways they're united against, I think, part the opposition to the war, but also what they all hope for their own families and for their own futures in their countries. But like I said, you can't, you can't make a bad beer and try and bring people together. So we really tried to go all out with this one. Uh, it, it is a double dry hopped, double IPA. This is heavily hopped. I think this is eight pounds per barrel. Uh, and then oftentimes we do like to add fruit sometimes to the IPAs, but I, I always liked how the Belgian brewers would say that if you could name what was in the beer, then there's too much of it in the beer. But really, I think what I found is the most beautiful beers are ones of balance. You know, it's not ones that are so out of control that you're like, whoa, there's the coconut. Or it's like, wow, I've never tasted marshmallow in a beer. It, it's more of like, mm, what, what did you say is in here? Wow, like that really plays well together. And so really, we tried to take a, a hop combination that was very passion fruit forward when you bring them together and then use the fruit really just to give the hops a bit of a boost. And so if you didn't know that passion fruit was in there, there might not you, you might you might not say oh this this has a ton of fruit in it it's more it's really i i mean i think hop growers take a lot of time and energy creating the cones that we put in beer and so i don't like to usurp that i like to use the fruit in some ways just to give it a boost so you can really highlight what's happening in, in yakima or happening in oregon or happening in new zealand or australia i think there's incredible hops out there there right now and fruit has its place but i think is a supporting role uh the first thing that i thought was like there's there's passion fruit in here it just blends so well into that hop character and also this is a double ipa this yeah, is not right. a double IPA. <laughs> yeah it's going down a little easier than that yeah i feel like the fruit is like just kind of accentuating like that little hot bite that you get at the end you get like a little acidity kick and it just finishes like so well 
very, it, it complements the hops very, very well. I agree. Yeah, and passion fruit does that, you know, it, 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 it's kind of a tart fruit. You know, there is some acidity mm-hmm. in passion fruit, uh, which especially if, you know, you're, you're sweltering in Missouri, that, 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 just that, 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 that little hint of, 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 of acidity is pretty refreshing. Yeah, you know, we're drinking crispy boys right now, for sure. Um, but I think that this could even, this could fall under that category almost, because that, that hot bite at the end really, really crisps it up. You know, it's got a nice mouthfeel and a nice crisp finish. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm really liking it. Real quick for the listeners at home, Strata Galaxy and Mosaic in this one, um, also using the Mosaic T90 and Cryo hop varietal combination here. So seems like lots of same tactics. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yep. Let's take a beer break and talk about barley farming. In 2021, Montana was the second largest producer of barley in the United States, producing 23.7 million bushels. And over 60% of the barley grown in Montana is barley that gets malted. Malting is the process of steeping, germinating, and kilning grains to unlock sugars, proteins, and starches found in the seed. This is a necessary process for producing the sugars the beer yeast will eventually use to create alcohol during fermentation. Sadly, because of drought and the far-reaching effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, barley production took a massive hit in 2021, with Montana farmers producing 20 million fewer bushels than 2020. Thankfully, the majority of malted barley is used in beer production, And as we know on this show, the craft beer industry is seeing a bounce back after the pandemic and will most certainly play a vital role in sustaining one of America's most important industries, agriculture. Now let's get back to the show. It does not sound like Imagination is the average brewery. You guys have so many cool things going on. It sounds like a really special place. But I wonder what role do you see, you know, the average craft brewery playing in their community? Well, as you might imagine, I have strong feelings about this. Uh, I think, I I think honestly, um, I I think that, you know, I I would say that my wife and I are, are artists and she would say she's a healer. I would say probably neither of us would say that we're really very good business people. In fact, we're, and and I even go as far as to say we're terrible capitalists. And I think uh, you got to keep the doors open and take care of the bottom line and take care of your staff and your community. But I, but I, I, because there is kind of an an inherent connectivity involved in the product, like we're not, we're not buying baby wipes here, right? This is, this, this, this is something that people share and they connect over. I think that there's incredible power in the product and I think there's a lot of unactualized power in the product. And I think that um, what we have found over the years is by being able to do more than just beer. And I think for a while, our tagline was beyond beer. That not only can you, I think, transform some of the unactualized power into generating connection in your local community, but it also, also I mean, it does help financially too. You know, if you have 4,000 events, that also does bring people in the door. The thing I, I always say to brewery owners when they ask, like, how can we do this? I'll oftentimes ask them, do you actually want to do this? Or is this a marketing scheme? Because, you know, community sells, you know, connection sells, but inauthenticity breaks that in a hurry and people sniff that out pretty quickly. And so I oftentimes ask people like do some soul searching and see, do you actually want to play kind of a constructive pivotal role in your community? 
and for the positives to be able to, to, to know so many wonderful people in your community, all the people that are doing good things. The shadow side is there is blowback oftentimes too. I mean, we live in an incredibly polarized society and blowback isn't just, you know, from, from the extreme, I mean, from one extreme, it, it, it's both extremes. I feel like in some ways we're, we're viewed, I, I've heard people refer to us as the communist brewery. And I said, well, wow. if, 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 if doing good things for your community makes you a communist, I guess, I guess I am. I, I, I mean, Sign if, that's, me if that's the word, if that's, if that's the word you want to use, but there's also times when, you know, it's like, we won't take as strong of stances if it means taking stances against people. I think that we always try to take constructive stances. I remember Gandhi always saying that, that it's not so much like, it's not so much the combative programs that are going to make a difference in your society. It's the constructive ones. It's like, what are the things that people can connect on? Where, where are the joint projects? What can people work on that in some ways is going to have a better effect on everybody in your community, that's, that's where you can make change. And so I, I think there are times people say, you need to denounce this, or you need to denounce that. And, and a response is often, if we do that, we'll spend, we'll, we'll be doing that 50 times a day, because there's plenty of things to denounce in our society. It just creates more noise. I'm not saying that the people who denounce have no place in society. Absolutely not. I think that I think that you have to have people who are working against oppression and racism and misogyny and all these forces that are definitely at play in our society. But I think because beer is a connector, it, 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 it inherently brings people together. I think the question for breweries to ask themselves is, how can we enhance that role in our society? And what we found is, like I referred to the brewery as kind of a saucepan, and that's that's really what I think of it. In some ways. You know, a saucepan is just a pan, but it's the people who come in and the people who run the programs. That's what brings life and soul into a place. But we really have a habit of almost never saying no to people. If they come with an idea, we'll say, all right, we like it. How can we work with you to maximize your impact on that? And I think what we've tried to do is really go beyond the pint night paradigm where, you know, you have an organization that sits in the corner at a table and nobody engages with them, but a dollar of every beer goes to that organization. That's fine in some ways, but oftentimes the organizations will say, great, this was awesome. We have enough money to buy toilet paper for the organization this week. It's not really making a big difference. And I, but I think what we really try to do is find ways where the community can interface with others to get the word out about what they're doing, about what programs they're actually running and about how they're making a difference in the community. And so we really try to highlight them whether it's their work or presentations or they got a workshop or they give a talk. And during COVID, because we couldn't bring people together, we started collaborating with a lot of local organizations to have them design labels for cans and we did collaborations with them. So then the cans that were going out into the community could highlight the work of these organizations. And so I think there's lots of ways that you can do that, but I would just say, make sure you authentically want to play that role. Yeah, I, I guess I, those would be some of my thoughts, but I think that craft breweries, can actually play a much greater role than they currently are, especially if we're, we're, we're approaching 10,000 breweries in the country. I mean, that, they're, they're, there's power there. And I think that if that, all of that, all of those breweries can, be, can leverage that power in their own communities, then craft beer is making a difference. You said so much. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many things I want to respond to with that. Um, somebody in the chat mentioned the, uh, the slogan on the uh, on the side of the can we are because of each other and mm -hmm. i feel like that's a wonderful message number one and i feel like 
people could live that very positive message if they just simply looked for the things that connected each other rather than what divides them. And it seems like that's the very approach that you're taking with the, for lack of a better word, stances that you're taking with issues. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't claim that as our own. Um, that is actually the philosophy of the Bantu people of East and Southern Africa, and it's called Ubuntu for people who, who might not know. But Ubuntu means we are because of each other. I am who I am because you are who you are. That Brian, you're absolutely right that in some ways uh, that we are because of each other uh, is it, it, the guiding philosophy for the brewery. And in some ways, it's what we always go back to. You know, when we're making decisions, uh, whether it's my wife and I making decisions for for the company, or how we talk and, and work with our staff, or how we work with the community, like is what we're going to do, is it going to lead where we are because of each other is enhanced in our community or is it going to start to detract away from that energy? And so um, you're right. It's it's very much a living philosophy of the brewery. And I think the other thing you were explaining is where you originally uh, heard that phrase. You said it originated from uh, Africa. Yeah, from a, a Ugandan colleague of mine who uh, is the head of programs for Oxfam International for the entire African continent. He, he, uh, he he's, an, he's, he's an incredible human being. But in grad school, when I was young and in a, in, in a formative place, uh, that message got through. He, t- he talked to me about Ubuntu and uh, it stuck. Wonderful. I think you and I talked about this when we met at the brewery, but um, you've talked about you and your, your wife's travels throughout the world. And you mentioned that she is from Brazil, but, um, ultimately what led you to Missoula? Like why open a brewery in Missoula? Well, no matter what you've, depending on what you've heard about humanitarian work, it doesn't exactly, uh, uh, fill the bank account, at least not to the extent that you need to start a brewery. Breweries are not exactly free to start. Uh, and I'm from Helena, Montana originally. So we were thinking about either doing it in Brazil, uh, where my wife is from, or in the U.S. And I think that, that I felt like I felt a draw to come back to the U.S. after being outside for 15 years and to working with, you know, I guess, you know, my own people. Uh, I look at all people that way, but I feel like I wanted to work within my own community on the issues that were, uh, that, that were really, um, I guess, in a lot of ways now plaguing the people from where I'm from. And so we decided to do Missoula because uh, it, it, it's, it's a bit of an intellectual and cultural hotbed in Montana. It's where the university is. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of good actions. There's a lot of good things that were already happening here. So we didn't need to reinvent the wheel. And we didn't come here saying, we're here to teach you, you know, fill in the blank. It was more of to really talk to people and say, what's important to you? What's going on here? What are the issues that you feel like need to be addressed? And then we tried to really cater the space to be able to fulfill uh, the, the needs of the people that were already here. And I think, you know, going back to what craft breweries can do, I think that in some ways that's the best way to start is like, what are the actual needs in your community? That's what's relevant to people. That's what people are going to emotionally connect with. And so, you know, before we started the brewery, we had to raise a bunch of money. Uh, and, and we knew that the only place we could probably do that was either where I'm from or where Fernanda, my wife, is from. You know, in, in, in good peace building form, we went out and we met everybody that has a stake in this community and we presented the idea and we said, what do you think about this? And most people were like, oh, I think that sounds amazing. 
and, and said, okay, well, what's important to you? What would you like to see highlighted in that space? And so we really did try to build the vision off of the desires and the hopes uh, of our local community. And really, it's, it, it, I, I'm, I'm really happy that we, that we did. I'm happy that we've been in Missoula for 10 years. It really has been a gift to be back here. And honestly, I think the, the greatest gift from doing this, you know, I think we've, people say like, wow, you've put out 300 different beers in, in seven years. And it's like, yep, we, we have done that. But more so, we got to connect with every single wonderful, wonderful person in this community. And then that's, an inc- that, you know, I think especially in an age of, of isolation, you know, especially with COVID, I mean, all of us, I think are probably still dealing with trauma that we ha- that we that we haven't even unmasked yet because we we were so isolated for two years. You know, we got to be able to connect with with every wonderful person doing good work in this community, and so I feel like, you know, is Missoula home to me? I I I, I don't think so. But the feeling that I have from the connections of the people who are here, that 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 feels like home to me. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it it really has been a, a great gift to be here. Wow, that's great. And, you know, kind of piggybacking off of you opening a brewery in Missoula is um, some big news that came this week from Imagination. Um, you actually sold the brewery. Is that right? And we did. Yeah. We did. You know, I, I think for the last couple of years, uh, my wife and I have really started to feel the draw back to, to humanitarian work. In some ways, I think we have the business in a, we, we realized that we had the business in a place where we built the strong foundation. Uh, you know, we have buy-in from the local community. We, we built a reputation for, for the quality of our beer, you know, especially regionally, and we've even you know, got some national acclaim for it. But honestly, it, 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 it's been a humbling thing to, to, to reach a point where you realize that, that in some ways we were the key ingredients to making this happen. But at this point, we're the key obstacles for making it what it can be. And so mm-hmm. I think we, we wanted to find the right people who have, a similar value system who have similar commitment to the community, but also have the capacity to take the brand and actually make it something bigger than just a tap house in Missoula or, you know, special can releases around the state and, and the region. And so, you know, after six months, we, we, we found the, the perfect people. Uh, they're, they're a local couple. Uh, the woman started a school here for kids that didn't quite fit into the public school system. Um, she's got a doctorate in education with a, with, with a focus on community building. And, and the husband owns a very small brewery here that he's going to now scale up and he's going to produce imagination beer on a bigger level to get the message that you see on that can in front of more people. And so, yeah, we feel very fortunate that uh, their names are Tim and Annie Graham. We're, we're very fortunate that we've crossed paths with them and that we were able to find the perfect people to, I, I think, take imagination into the future. They do really seem like the perfect, uh, yeah, perfect are. people to choose. That's awesome. I'm really excited to um, find out what you know what comes next. Yeah, this is something that has been in the works for some time. The entire time that um, we've been working with Imagination, Bravana, and Imagination to to put this box together, and I'm just I can't say how happy I am that you found the the right people to take this brand, this very very special brand to its next stage of, of life. And um, I would love to talk more about your day jobs and what you're returning to. So where are you and your wife hoping to make an impact uh, by going back to your humanitarian work? Well, I, I, you know, there are organizations that we've worked with in the past, whether it's 
uh, you know, in the realms of trauma healing or peace building and civilian peacekeeping. I think that the plan is, I think, to, to, to move back to Europe because uh, a lot of the places where a lot of this work is happening is in the Middle East, in Africa, uh, in different parts of Asia. And none of those places are very close to Montana. I think they're not. <laughs> in, uh, you know, in, in October, I flew to, uh, to Erbil in northern Iraq to do some work with an organization called Nonviolent Peace Force. And I think it took 48 hours to get there with layovers. And that's not very great for the budget of an organization, nor is it great to show up and have, you know, two weeks of really intensive work after making nine time zone changes and 48 hours of travel. So I think we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to move to the other side of the pond so that we're a little bit closer to many of these places uh, and really in some ways rejoin a lot of the community of people that we have over there who have been doing this work for you know all these 10 years that we've been doing the brewery they've continued doing a lot of this work and so we were really excited to rejoin uh, many of these friends but also I think get back into this work that, that, that really feeds us um, and, and it just feels that with the state of the world right now like I said before, uh, you know, not, people that, that, that have, I guess, our, our, our skill set, uh, I guess there's needs for that that, that, that transcend Missoula, Montana. And I think it's time to rejoin the world and get back out there. Well, that's exciting. And so we've heard, you know, a lot about what your brewery does, you know, has a huge impact, it sounds like. And so in your mind, what legacy do you hope that your brewery leaves in Missoula? You know, a, a couple of weeks ago, the kind of the International Steering Committee for the Master Brewers Association of the Americas asked, asked for us to talk to them. And we did a, a Zoom call just like this, talked to folks from all over the country. And they basically asked us many of the same questions that, that, that you are. And at the end of it, one of the women said, I hope that the future of craft beer is that every craft brewery is doing what you're doing in Missoula, Montana. And I, so to say what legacy uh, the peace theorist, theorist Kenneth Boulding said, if it exists, it's possible. And I think when we started the brewery, it was unbelievable how many people in a way uh, we, we were met with loads of support and love and admiration and care. We were also met with a ton of people who said, who literally said in words, you can't do good things and combine that with alcohol. I think over seven years, uh, we've proven those people wrong that it is possible. And so my hope would be, honestly, if there is a legacy from this, that it actually does go beyond Missoula. I think I'm not worried about the legacy in Missoula. That, that will continue, especially with the new owners. But I, my hope is the legacy that, that kind of that inherent power of connectivity of craft beer that we talked about before, that more breweries around the country can look at this and say, you know what, I've always wanted to do that, but it seems scary or it seems like it's impossible or it can't work. And I think for me, my hope is that the legacy of imagination is that it is possible. That's so cool. I can't wait to see, um, you know, just what she said more and more, you know, that all mm -hmm. breweries do the work that you all are doing. I can't wait to see just even more communities, you know, being positively impacted by their breweries. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the craft beer Renaissance version 2.0, right? The first, the first renaissance so. was, the first renaissance was craft beer exists again, right? Mm -hmm. And now, so, so we've moved past that first stage of the renaissance and maybe hopefully the second stage is, and now look what craft beer can do for, for, for people's communities. Mm. I, so cool. 
I uh, anecdotally, I have seen that in my local scene here in Pittsburgh. You know, we have a pretty well thriving scene. I think we're up to 55 breweries in the greater Pittsburgh area. Wow. And lo- recently, I have to give a huge shout out to Trace Brewing, which has opened within the last year and a half here. Right off the bat, made solid beer. You know, that's the barrier for entry now is you got to make good beer. And every night they're having some kind of event, whether it's a party or they're hosting a community organization or they're doing bingo, but they're doing something and it's all centered around their local neighborhood and creating a place Mm. where the local neighborhood could gather. They also sell coffee. So they're open from eight to 10, you know, so Mm -hmm. you can just get your coffee and just stay there all day. Um, That's a different thing, but I think we're going to see that because like I said, the barrier for entry is good beer. L- look, this, the, the the secret's out. Here's how you make good beer. It's scientific. You have to focus right. on these certain things, but everybody knows how to do it now. And there's a lot of people doing it. So what other role are you going to play in this market that is going to become saturated, that has breweries scattered all throughout the country to the point where 80% of adults of drinking age live under 10 miles from a brewery. What are you going to do? That's going to make an impact and be something other than just another place that makes beer. It's only logical that the, that the industry goes there. I just hope that to me, it's only logical. And I think to the people here, it's only logical, but I hope the, the rest of the industry recognizes that and starts to see that the beer is a conduit for connection and, and community and, and is not just this thing that we drink to have fun and get intoxicated. That's all great, but it's the discussions and experiences that happen around this beverage that really make it special. So. Yeah. And, 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 and like you're saying, Brian, it's, you could probably pin, like you, you could point to any place on the map in the country and there's probably at least one person that's doing something constructive and positive perhaps as, as, uh, uh, as things I think get more challenging in the future, which I think is inevitable. I think the question will be, what more can we do? And, and I think that if, if we have 10,000 breweries who are asking that question, I think that, that like, like I said, I think that we can start moving that needle in a much more positive direction together. And ultimately uh, what, what I always remind myself is it doesn't matter what really what people's value structures are or their political like positions, but ultimately human beings have core common needs, all of us, right? And then a lot of it is a sense of, some of that sense of belonging and a sense of connection. It doesn't matter where you fall on, on spectrums that really at the end of the day, everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. And everybody wants, I think, to feel that what they're doing is it is good that their life matters right i mean nobody i don't i think there's very few people that go through a day and say i don't want my life to mean anything very few people think that way and most people think like i, I want the world to be a little better because i was in it and if craft beer can play a, a conduit role to help that facilitate that then we're on to something that's just wonderful Amen. yep yeah <laughs> Uh, Robert, we end every interview with a simple question, and that is, what do you wish uh, Missoula was more well-known for? Mm. Man, you know, at this point, I think the secret's out. 
Missoula is, you know, uh, on on a lot of top 10 lists for a lot of things. Um, You know, proximity to wilderness is is, is amazing. Kind of the the vibrant outdoor culture here, the craft beer scene. but honestly, like, like, you know, as I prepare to depart this town, I wish the people knew more of the stories of the people in all the organizations here who are doing so many good things for the community that, you know, you'll read and it's like, it's such a hip place or, you know, it's such a cool place or like, oh, the skiing's awesome. And sure, all of that's true. But I, but I, I wish that Missoula would be as well known for, or even more so for being a hub where really good people are doing good things in this world. Jeez, this has just been such a wonderful, wonderful discussion. Uh, Robert, thank you again so much for joining us and and thanks for supplying these awesome beers and uh, just thanks for sharing your thoughts on, on these things. Well, it's, it, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thanks so much, Brian and MC, for taking the time to, to have conversations like this. Even though I'm surrounded by people all the time, it, 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 it's, it's not a daily occurrence where you get to sit down and talk about the most important things with people. So I'm, I'm very grateful for your time. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you meeting me at the brewery when I visited uh, Missoula and uh, appreciate you taking time to join us for the podcast Shout out to you, MC. Thanks for co-hosting. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah. Cheers to you both. You can find more from our featured brewery tonight, the wonderful Imagination Brewing at imaginationbrewing.com. As always, if you're digging the show, you can support us by signing up for the beer club at bruvana.com. As a member of the Brews Less Travel Beer Club, you'll get a box of amazing local craft beers shipped directly to you monthly. And you'll get to drink those same beers uh, uh, with us, the same beers that we do, like these ones, right here on the stream. You could heckle me from the chat. I'm going to keep making that joke. Uh, You can also follow me. uh, Follow me. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and on tap at Bruvana. We'll be back next week with a special episode to cap off the month. Yes, uh, beer club subscribers, you should have one beer remaining. Hang on to that. Uh, until next Wednesday we do have one more special episode to cap off the month and uh, here's a teaser those that joined us for our 12 beers of Christmas that were a fan of the New Year's Eve episode will be pleasantly surprised by next week's episode but until then stay safe be kind and support your local breweries cheers everybody good night good night